Deep inside every one of us is a lion waiting to be unleashed. Are you ready to be unleashed into your destiny? As we stand on the edge of time, the web of deception is being unraveled. Carl Joseph offers you the red pill and the keys to unlock the shackles of your mind. Get ready to be transformed by God's supernatural power. Let's join him now. Friend, I'm talking today about the love of God. Let me start out by reading from John's epistle in 1 John 4, 8. It says, He that loves not knoweth not God, for God is love. Friend, if love is not evident in our lives, then our relationship with God can be called into question. Because love is not only a fruit of the Spirit, but a command at the same time. Now let me read you another verse, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. Now in the Old King James Version, they translated the word love as charity in this verse. If we think of charity, we think of goodwill or an act of benevolence towards somebody else. Or maybe a love for humanity as a whole. But in the Greek, the word for charity here is agape. And it's the same Greek word for love in 1 John 4, 8 that I just read to you. Now, this word agape is a far richer word than we can conceive merely from the English language because it's talking about the love of God the Father. It's especially characterized by a willing forfeiture of rights or privileges on another person's behalf. Friend, this is the love of self-sacrifice. And to be honest with you, it's difficult to properly describe the vast love that God the Father has for humanity because it's beyond our full comprehension. I'd like to now effectively transmit the love of the Father to you by telling you a story about the bridge master and his son. Once upon a time, there was a bridge master. It was his job to make sure that when a tall ship came down the river, he would raise that bridge so the ship could pass through safely. It was also his responsibility to make sure the bridge was lowered again to allow trains to travel across the bridge. If he did not, an approaching train full of people would plunge into the icy river below. This bridge master had the life and death responsibility of raising and lowering the bridge in a timely manner, otherwise the consequences would be dire. Now the bridge master had a son. He loved his only son very much, but boy did that little child love trains as well. He was daddy's little shadow. They would go to the train station. They would sit there and watch the people board the train. Happy people, hurt, lonely people, excited people, angry, busy, and lost people. And the little boy loved sitting there with his dad watching the trains go by every day. One day, when the little boy was playing down by the riverbank, he saw to his horror that the bridge was still raised and a fully laden train was bearing down quickly upon it. The little boy tried to yell to his dad to get him to lower the bridge in time, but to no avail. Unfortunately, his dad couldn't hear him as he was distracted in conversation. So this little boy went running toward the bridge to pull the red lever that would close this bridge. But as he ran, he lost his footing, tumbling down into a crevice, which was the very joint mechanism that allowed the bridge to raise and lower. His father, the bridge master, just happened to look up and see his son fall into the joint. At that very moment, he saw the train coming rapidly, bearing down on the bridge, which was up at the time. The bridge master had to come to a choice, my friend. Would he pull the red lever and cause the bridge to close and crush his little boy, or would he leave it open and allow the train, carrying hundreds of men, women, and children, to plunge into the icy river? 
Friend, the bridge master chose to pull the red lever. He chose to sacrifice his son for the people, people he'd never even met, who didn't even realize their near disastrous fate. As the train passed over the bridge, the searing cries of his son were drowned out by the train running along the tracks at high speed. Within the train, people were laughing, drinking, and carrying about their business, oblivious to what had just happened, not realizing the monumental sacrifice that had just taken place by the bridgemaster's son. Friend, the bridgemaster is a type of our Heavenly Father in this story. He sent his only begotten Son, Jesus. He sent him for you and for me. The bridge in this story is a type of the cross, friend. The Heavenly Father pulled the lever and appropriated a bridge between man and God paid for by his Son. The cross provided a bridge between a lost and hurting world who needed salvation without their knowledge and a loving God who desired reconciliation. The cross provided a means for man to traverse the vast chasm between God's righteousness and our sin condition. Therefore, we can now embrace our Heavenly Father without feeling judgment. Friend, I hope this illustration gave you a glimpse into the vast treasure of the Father's love that he would be willing to sacrifice his own son for people who even hated him. Remember Romans 5.8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that, while yet we were sinners, Christ died for us. Now few people would sacrifice themselves for someone they dearly loved, let alone for someone who even hated them. But that's what Christ did for us, friend. We were even hostile toward God because of our sin issue. So why is God's love so important to our everyday faith, you may ask? Because the scripture makes it clear that our faith won't work without it. Let's read Galatians 5, 6. It says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Friend, we can readily see that love would have to be greater if faith won't work without it. It takes love to make faith work, and when we step out of love and get in the flesh, this can hinder our faith from working effectively in our lives. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says in the New English Translation, Faith gives substance to our hope. So you have to have hope first before your faith can give substance to it. So we can clearly see that faith is also dependent on hope as well. When we study this word love in the New Testament, there are some interesting findings. There is phileo, which is another Greek word for love, and expresses spontaneous natural affection we have for one another with more feeling than reason, and it occurs 25 times. Then we have Philadelphia, or brotherly love, which occurs five times. And finally, phileia, which means friendship, is found only once in James 4.4. 4. The meaning of the word agape, which means God's love, is unique in many regards because it really means to love the undeserving, despite encountering disappointment and rejection from those who are loved. Friend, it's a love that never quits, just like God, just like the Father, who expressed the love towards his prodigal son in Luke 15, who forgot who he was and was embraced by the Father anyway, regardless of his reckless behavior and mistreatment of his Father. In Galatians 6.2, the Apostle Paul calls love the law of Christ, which is supreme and sufficient. He says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he does deceives himself. Indeed, Paul's description of God's love in action through the law of Christ includes acts of mercy, hospitality, avoidance of revenge, rejoicing with others, sharing of weakness, restoring, supporting, and building up other people, giving them all honor, kindness, forgiveness, encouragement, and finally restraining criticism. 
In fact, the list is almost endless when it comes to describing the love of the Father. And for all of you super spiritual folks out there who claim to operate in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit but care not for your love walk, I have a scripture for you in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3. It says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Friend, again, the word charity is love in this verse. God cares immensely about our love walk. The Bible says that even if all the gifts of the Spirit are manifested through us, without God's love, it wouldn't profit us anything. Anything is a strong word, friend. Think about that for a moment. Even if we give to the poor and our measure of giving is through the roof, if we're not motivated to do it by love, by trying to show off instead, it is worth nothing to God, friend. The motivation of the heart is something that man cannot see, but God can. We may never really know why some people do the things they do, but God sees their motive and will judge the person accordingly for their intentions. So what did Jesus have to say about love specifically? Well, in one sentence, he provided the measuring stick by which people may know that we are his followers in John 13, verses 34 through 35. And Jesus said, And a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Friend, the love of God is patient and kind. It takes no account of evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. I urge you, friend, to read the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 through 8 in your own devotional time to fully comprehend the breadth, depth, and length of the Father's love for us. Now let me read to you now another passage regarding the Father's love. I'm reading from 1 John chapter 4 verses 16 through 20. And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him, because he first loved us. If a man says, I love God, and hates his brother... He's a liar, for he that loveth not his brother, whom he has seen, how can he then love a God whom he has not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. Friend, it's clear from Scripture that quite simply, it's God's love for us which has empowered us to love both other human beings and even God himself. It's an equipping work of love, and it even enables us to love our enemies. In other words, to demonstrate God's love properly as he desires. It's not something that we can do in and of ourselves, but God equips us to do so. Friend, love reaches out for those who are hurt and takes bold steps without self-interest. It can accomplish unbelievable things because it's so void of self-interest. Let me give you a quick story about God's equipping power to love others who are hurt. Some time ago, a teenager, Arthur Hinckley, lifted a 3,000-pound tractor with his bare hands. He wasn't a weightlifter friend. He was a normal guy. But his friend, Lloyd Batchelor, 18 years old, was pinned under a tractor on a farm near Rome in Maine. 
Hearing Lloyd scream at the top of his lungs, Arthur somehow lifted the tractor enough for Lloyd to wriggle out. Love was the real motivation here, friend, to lift this three-ton machine. And this is a true story, where God equipped Arthur to help his friend out. But I'm pretty sure there were some angels involved as well. Yet God does not give us some power or ability apart from his own presence that motivates us to love. The gift cannot be separated from the giver, friend. For his love is an enabling supernatural power. Love is a life-giving force and a gift that flows from God into us with his vitality and energy. Consequently, if God's love empowers us to love others, no one can claim to love God while hating a fellow Christian. Often the words, anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen, are taken to mean that it's much harder to love an invisible God than it is to love a brother or sister, whom we can see. But the Apostle John does not say that love for God is more difficult than love for others, no. Rather, love for God without love for others is simply impossible because God is love and it is his equipping love that enables us to love others as he desires, friend. It is a supernatural love. It's not something that is in and of ourselves. Friend, I'm pretty sure in the coming days, the Lord is going to challenge you in the area of love. Your love walk towards other people, but especially even your family, is what I am feeling by my spirit. There is someone who could even be persecuting you for your faith, and they are really seeing whether you're going to respond with the love of God, friend, because the love inside of you empowers you to do these things. You've been listening to Carl Joseph and the Lions Unchained podcast. Carl is a minister who's witnessed God's supernatural power to save, heal, and deliver. Carl is a unique researcher who investigates current affairs, societal trends, technology, cults, and end-time events, all through a biblical lens. Every Monday, new podcasts are uploaded, so stay tuned for the next opportunity to roar into victory. Check out carljosephministries.com for exciting articles, teachings, and discussion points. See you next week. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button 